Hello, this is Ellis Prince, the pastor of the Gallery Church of Baltimore. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today. I hope this teaching inspires you and gives you courage to pursue Jesus Christ. I hope that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. If we can help you in any way, please feel free to reach out. Now let's get back to the podcast. As we've been talking, we shared that we're getting ready to start into our Advent teaching. And before we do so, um, we're going to go back through this series and we're going to have an Old Testament and a New Testament scripture reading that impact um, what we have traditionally referred to as the Christmas story talking about the announcement of the angels to, Christ, to Mary and to Joseph and to Zachariah and Elizabeth and many others, the shepherds. So we're going to step back into all of that, but I want to tie it into the larger story of what God has been doing. So we have two scripture readers, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. We're going to start with our Old Testament reading from the book of Psalms. I'll be reading from... Uh, Psalms 131 through 6. And um, just before I read it, as Pastor Ellis has prepared us for, and then Lauren as well, um, there's a lot of longing that everybody has. And it's that longing and darkness that creates the opportunity for hope and light to get in. So as I read this, if you just want to envision that thing that you're longing for, that thing, that grief that you're holding, and hold it in your hand, as you hear these words, and really let God speak into that peace. Lord, I cry out to you out of the depths of my despair. Hear my voice, O God. Answer this prayer and hear my plea for mercy. Lord, if you measured us and marked us with our sins, who would ever have their prayers answered? But your forgiving love is what makes you so wonderful. No wonder you are loved and worshipped. This is why I wait upon you, expecting your breakthrough. For your word brings me hope. I long for you more than any watchman would long for the morning light. I will watch and wait for you, O God, throughout the night. Good morning. I'll be reading our New Testament reading. It's from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. 
I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. And that was Ellen, uh, Emily and Christine. Um, for, for those of you that may not know uh, these two fine sisters in Christ, it's so important that we allow ourselves to understand really what was going on when Mary lived. Because I think if you and I just focus on the facts of the story, we miss out on so much about what this most likely 13 or 14-year-old young lady was going through. Some of you might just be hearing that for the first time. Could you imagine being married at 13 or 14 years of age? Some of you might be thinking that's ridiculous, but there are people still in America, predominantly in the South, that still get married at a very, very young age like that. Um, many of you, your grandparents may have fallen into that category much younger. So it's not like 2,000-year-old thing where people got married young a long time ago. It's still a very present thing, but yet 13 to 14 years of age. And in first century history, where they are occupied by the Roman Empire, I think a lot of us maybe lose sight of what it is like to live with biblical characters in their biblical tension. But have we not already agreed that living in Baltimore creates a human tension? Even when Pastor Charlie was sharing with us, he mentioned that just because you have a certain skin color or just because you might have a certain level of education does not mean that you automatically walk into the city of Baltimore and you just feel at home or you are accepted. Like where we live presents challenges and creates moments of sheer joy and fear. But that's the same thing that would have been happening for a young girl who was pledged to be married, let alone the fact, let's just call it out, she was visited by an angel. Most of the time in people in the Bible met some sort of angelic or some sort of Christ-like or God-like character. It was trembling and falling to the ground and please let this pass because I don't know if I'm going to survive this encounter. But yet this young lady is standing in this presence in a time where I, I want to draw us back to the understanding that there was a strong cultural religious aspect of Mary's life. This wasn't an atheistic culture. This wasn't a do we believe in God or not culture. Even though Rome was in power, the people of the, 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 the nation of Israel had a, uh, a one God and one God only mindset. Now, maybe there were many that were discouraged, but many of them knew their scriptures so well that they knew that Rome was the fourth empire that Daniel was talking about. Some of you are like, what does that mean? I don't have time to go into it. But in Daniel's writing, he talked about four empires that were going to come in succession. And it was after the fourth empire that the Messiah was going to come. And he was going to establish Israel as, as the people of God that they thought that they were supposed to be all along. And so the religious leaders in Jesus' day were caught in a dilemma. Because not only did some of them believe that, they, Rome, that Rome was the fourth empire, Others of them were very comfortable with Rome being in the fourth empire because what happened was is some of the Jewish families helped Julius Caesar defeat Egypt 
And because of that, gave them great power and freedom inside of the nation of Israel. That's why you hear stories of Herod's family and the Herodians and all these people that were in power throughout the Gospels. It was because they helped Rome stay in power. So then you can have verses like John 19, 15 that we just read, where the, where the priest declares, we have no king but Caesar. Because they had fully adopted, as long as this king is happy, my power is not interrupted. As long as this earthly power that is in power, my my position is going to be well taken care of. Because Rome had no problem taxing people. All right? I think that you and I need to understand, like, we're not the only ones that experience taxes just experiencing the taxes that you have, let that emotion well up in you. I shared with my brother recently how much my taxes are in my home here in Baltimore. And he shared with me that his taxes were one-eighth of my taxes and his house is on a lake and twice the size of my home. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly. I don't want to tell you because I don't want any of you to go there. I want you to stay right here in the name of Jesus. All right, we're going to pay our taxes. So Paul told the early church, pay them taxes, all right? But stay. Um, So the society was torn because Rome was taking its cut. And not just the financial cut. Rome got a a cut of the crops. It got a cut of the cattle. Every time your animals reproduced, they got their share. So it wasn't just the financial pressure. There was the property tax and the animal tax. And why do you think Mary and Joseph are going to a census Because they were getting recorded so that their taxes could be adjusted as a married couple. So Mary and Joseph had human pressures, like you and I, plus some, because an angel came to visit her. This independence, the secret police, after we even know later on in the story that there was an announcement to have every child two years of age and under slaughtered so that they could weed out this future king of Israel. Like when you look at the whole story, Mary lived in it. She was the mom that everybody's like, oh, I lost my child because your child fled and was protected in the middle of the night. She was the one that people were like, oh, look, there's that pregnant teenage girl. Like, listen, if their church was anything like our churches, there was gossip. If your community was anything like their community, there was gossip. Oh, Mary and Joseph, they're saying to everybody that she's a virgin. They're saying to everybody that they're waiting till the right time to do all this. But look at her. She's like, she's... This young girl went through all kinds of stress because of this particular encounter. There's so much more about the history, but for the sake of time, I'm going to leave it out here just for a moment. But for a few moments, I want us to focus on Mary today. In a few moments next week, we're going to focus on Mary. And then the few moments on the 17th, we're going to focus on Mary. And then a few moments on the 24th, we're going to focus on Mary. So what can we learn from Mary I think too often we want to understand these people's journeys. We want to know trivia so that if it ever comes up at trivia night at the local tavern or pub, you can get the Christmas questions correct. But Mary is a person that you and I need to connect with. She is favored. She shouldn't be forgotten. I grew up in a Protestant tradition that Mary was really downplayed. 
my mom grew up in a tradition, a Catholic tradition, and, and that married was prayed to, and there was an expectation that Mary would do things for you. And so the faith that I grew up in was a response to that, and because of that, we gave Mary no attention. And because of that, we lost out. Because Mary is a character, whether you're a male or female. Now, just because I'm talking about Mary, men do not check out of this Advent series. We can learn a lot from the strength and the power and the openness of this woman and set an example for the way you and I should live and breathe and act and move in our faith in Jesus Christ. But here's what Mary does. What does Mary give God? Mary gives God something in this passage. Mary gives God access to her life. This was something that she could have said no. She could have been like, I don't want anything to do with this. This is not the life that I want she had even been in a situation where, like, listen, she's even saying, look, I'm a virgin. I believe that there's even some aspect of this where she's like, look, I've been a good girl. I know what's coming if this is true. I've been faithful to our laws and to our traditions. I've been faithful in the practice. And God's like, I've noticed. That's why I'm picking you. But in this moment, her gift during Christmas was to say yes to what God wanted her to do. And some of us today, we just need to ask God, like, what, what, is, what is my yes? Some of us, we don't want to do what he's asked us to do. And so therefore, we want to reject characters like Mary because Mary did not want to be the mother of the Messiah. That wasn't on her resume. That wasn't on her wall as a child saying, I want to grow up and I want to be the mother of the Messiah. But she gave God full access. And we're going to look at that access over the next couple of weeks. But she had a total life interruption. Many of you have raised your hand saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ because we want to go to heaven. But really the call that pastors should extend to you is do you want a total life interruption? Because if we turn our attention to Jesus Christ, we are saying to him, not my will, but yours. Look at what Mary taught her son, Jesus. We don't give Mary any credit for what Jesus turned out to be. But she was a mother to the Messiah. And I am going to say that in the flesh, as Jesus was growing up in her home, Jesus learned from his mom what it looked like on the day in the garden to say, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. I don't think we give Mary any credit for the strength Jesus showed in the garden when he knew what was going to be asked of his life. And, she was, and I could see her saying, listen, Jesus, I had other plans. Now, mind you, when you turn 30, you cause me some problems. But then after a few years, she understood. And then at the cross, Jesus empowers John to take care of her. But yet Mary fully understood it was worth it all. But can I tell you, Mary can identify with the fact that darkness has force. Darkness is not just a room without light. Darkness has personality, it has power, it has intention, it has purpose, and it is sole purpose is to get you to not show the light of Jesus Christ. It is its one and only purpose is to snuff out the light that is in you. 
and we can learn through this. Listen to what um, the conversation in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Then the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Can you understand that when you say yes to God, you are enveloped with the power of the Holy Spirit? Now, here's what happens many times. There's two things that I believe has happened when you and I have prayed a sinner's prayer and asked God to forgive us of our sins so that we can spend eternity. You maybe immediately feel the power of the Holy Spirit and you immediately say, that's odd, and you quench it. Others of you never give it access. But that's really what ends up happening until we mature to say, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit really can overcome me. That means that I can have access to the, the wisdom and the power of the Most High God. I can have the voice of God wake me in a dream. I can have the voice of God greet me in the morning. I can have the voice of God be with me in my Bible reading. I can have the voice of God walking with me to work. I can have the protection of God when I'm in my home or when I'm on the streets, when I'm in a movie theater. Like I can have a moment where there is the power of God and I can also have access to the mind of God. So when things in my sight don't seem like they should be the way they are, it begins to connect us to the larger story. Look at what happens in verse 36. Why would the angel say to Mary at this moment, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age? This is what I believe the Spirit of God was doing, or the angel Gabriel was doing for Mary, was offering her a gift. I want you to know you're not alone. What I'm asking of you is a joint family task. What I'm asking of you is for many people to say yes to. You have a specific role. Your aunt's going to have a specific role. Um, Jesus's cousin's going to have a specific role. Like there's a yes. And if everybody gets their yeses right, we're going to change the world. Amen. I'm going to be unleashing a reconciliatory plan that is going to make humans right with me. Now you need to understand that's the goal. And that's the plan. All of you are playing a part in that plan, but your part is not the primary part. My part is this reconciliatory plan for the entire world. But yet he's inviting us to play a part. And what he's saying is, is Ellis, what I'm saying to you is also what I'm saying to you, Paige and Brody. Like, look, we all get a chance to play a part. So Sean's got a part. Lana's got a part. Andrew's got a part. Like, we have a part to play. And when we're all playing it, there's a beauty. There is a light that overcomes darkness. And I love how Mary responds to this because there is a healing plan set out in the world. And she says, I am the Lord's servant. Maybe that is your declaration this Advent. Is you wake up every day and you look in the mirror and you just say, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. We can learn that from Mary. It's like, I'm not detached from my faith. I am my faith. I am a tool in the hand of the most high God. And Mary answered, may your word, be, word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I love the way the ESV translates this. Listen to this translation. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let 
it be. She's going to be a teenage mom in a first century world where women at best were treated like the best servant in the house. Now listen, this isn't, there's no women's rights in this first century world. It was terrible in most places to be a woman, let alone a teenage mom. All of the things that we get to enjoy in expressing our love and equality with one another was not Mary's experience. We don't know much about everything going on in her life, but her response to the Lord is, let it be. Your plan, your will is better than anything I can think of, and I want to honor you in my circumstances. Let it be. There's a, a, a Trappistine nun named um, Sister Columba. Uh, I can't pronounce her last name, so forgive me. And she was comparing Eve to Mary. Because Eve is a symbol for all of us. And it really could be Eve and Adam, but she's focusing just on the women. So men, just because I'm saying this does not leave us out. Like, this is an Eve and Adam moment, but she's referencing Eve as a contrast with Mary. And it, it was birthed out of a beautiful piece of art that circulated a number of years ago where um, Eve was embracing Mary and had her hand on her belly. It was a beautiful work. You can look it up. But she wrote this poem in response, and I have it on the screen because I want you to see it. Oh, Eve, my mother, my daughter, life-giving Eve, do not be ashamed, do not grieve. The former things have passed away. Our God has brought us to a new day. See, I am with child, through whom all will be reconciled. O Eve, my sister, my friend, we will rejoice together forever, life without end. That's hope. Because, guys, listen, our hope is in the grand purpose of what God is doing in the world. That does not remove us from the darkness that wants to destroy us. The darkness that wants us to not play the part that God has in his family. There is a real adversarial force that you can feel, but it does not have the power to overtake you unless we tap out. Now, mind you, some of us have had some major darkness hits. Major ones. This is Mike Tyson in the ring with you. This is a moment where you feel like the enemy is coming at you with all its worth. But the foundation that we have is the truth that if God has asked of us something, he is going to see it through. And we can see that in the life of Mary. Mary shows us what to do in this life of hope. We open ourselves up to God and we say, let it be. We open ourselves up to him and we say, let it be. We recognize that God is doing something much bigger than my little individual story. He cares about our story. For crying out loud, Jesus even said, if a sparrow falls to the ground. So we, like how much more does he care about us? But he cares about us. But there is a bigger world redemption story that God is interested in. And he's inviting us to play a part. Some of us will have a role like Mary. Some of us will have a role like Peter and John. Peter leading the church publicly, getting the physical beatings, and John's over in a building writing down all the stories so that people can understand. Some of you will have a story um, like Ananias and Sapphira. 
where you just lie publicly and your life becomes a testimony for others. Let's not let that be our story. Many of us have the opportunity to step into the unnamed characters at the end of Hebrews 11 where nobody ever knows our name, but they know what we did. He's inviting us to join a story of reconciliation. Jesus, at the, at the end, some of his final words were not my will, but yours. And I believe that that is what we should be longing for at Advent. So if we had spent a lot of money on lighting equipment here at the church, this would be a moment where we would have all the house lights dim to like one candlelight. But because we're cheap, we have all of our lights attached to a breaker in the back, and it'd be like cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. So we don't do that because it really kills the spiritual mood. But just imagine with me, everything dimming just to the focal point of our candlelight, just to the Christ candle and our hope candle. We need to allow ourselves permission this week and next week and the week after to give ourselves blocks of time to sit in candlelight. Slow yourself down. Take a deep breath. Don't just get overwhelmed with the fact that Black Friday is now a month. <laughs> the constant reminders to your phone that Black Friday is still a sale. Like, makes no sense. How stupid are we that they advertise this to us in the way that they do? I don't know. We're not cats, like catnip. Like, it's weird. Um, but we need to allow ourselves to be slowed down. Give yourself permission to have a moment where you and just a simple light are saying, Father, is it true? Are you really with me? Do you have a part for me to still play? What light is in me? There was an old tradition in the church, and as I say this, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. Before electricity, there was a, a, a tradition in the church where there, at the end of every row was a lantern stand because people would carry a lantern so they could see going to church, and then they would need to carry the lantern home, but yet the church would only have some candlelight, some chandeliers, but yet the light that you brought to church would illuminate your row and the common phrase to people that missed church was, we missed your light. Don't be surprised if sometime in the next year, we as the gallery church go with no electricity and we just pass out lanterns. Because we're missing something with all of the electrical power that we have. You and I are on the same team called out by God to do different things, but each one of us, no matter what that thing is, carries light. And if you don't bring your light and I don't bring my light, there's more darkness around us. But when we all bring our light, there is less darkness around us. And some of us right now need each other's light. The enemy's been hard at us. Let's learn from Mary to just say, let it be. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus right now as we get ready to sing that your words, as Mary knew that no matter what God said it would be, it would happen. 
you are faithful to complete it. So, Father, right now, our hope is under assault. We, in many cases, are more like Eve in the sense that we might be willing to tap out in our belief in you and we want to take control versus Mary who submitted herself and gave you control. Father, I ask that we not assume control, but we continue to let you share our story. We want to walk faithfully in it. We want to carry our light into dark places as you send us out. And so, Father, I pray for those weary in that, that this Advent season, this moving towards Christmas be a time of healing. And Father, as we come to the Lord's table and we remember the body broken and the blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, Father, we receive that as good news and as a reminder of what you've done for us. But Father, may we excel in sharing that news. This isn't just good news for us. It's good news for everybody. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ is coming again. Is a bold proclamation of what is fact and true. And so, Father, as we take this, this table, Lord, we ask, as it is presented, that you would bless it. Bless it to our ears, but also bless it to our tongue. We want to announce good news. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Gallery Church Podcast. I want you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your mind and heart. Let Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, do the deep work that only He can do. I want to say thank you to everyone who gives to the church. Your gifts make this podcast and ministry possible here in Baltimore and other parts of the world. You can be a part of our work by going to gallerychurchbaltimore.com give or by downloading the church app from the app store. You can also subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening or watching and may God's grace and peace be with you.